Psalm chapter 20, verse 7. Some trust, some take pride in chariots and others in horses. We take pride in the name of our Lord, our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand firm. Lord, give victory to the king. May he answer us on the day that we call. Heavenly Father, help us to boast in you and to put confidence in you, to be your people for your honor. Speak to the hearts of all who are listening what you would ha have them hear. Through Christ I pray. Amen. The message of this psalm could not be more straightforward. When a general goes into battle, he has to trust in something. Uh, he looks over his the, 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 the territory, and it's really clear. I mean, if 3,000 years ago, if you're going to battle and you're a general and you have more chariots and horses than the other, in fact, they may even have more soldiers, but you have more chariots and horses, you have a pretty good chance of winning because chariots and horses are a lot stronger than individual fighters alone. But certainly if your chariots and horses number uh, larger than those of your opponent, you can be confident to win. But the psalmist turns that conventional wisdom on its head and says, we don't trust in chariots and horses that we see. We trust in the name of our Lord, of the Lord our God. The spiritual challenge is straightforward. Will we trust in the chariots that we see? Or will we trust in the God who is powerful? The God that we can't see. It's an upper story, lower story thing, if you've been around new life much. Will we trust in the lower story that we see or the upper story that God is at work, He's the one who's in control. He has power. And if he's called us to something, we can trust in him. Will we trust in our strength for victory? Will we trust in God for victory? Will we trust in the horses, the means that God's given us? Or will we trust in the giver? See, the truth is, no matter how spiritual we are, no matter how mature we think we may be, we are wired to trust in chariots and horses more than in God. I want it both ways, personally. I want to have an overwhelming force of chariots and horses, and I want to convince myself that I'm trusting in God more than I am the overwhelming forces that I have in my favor. You know, I think about money, for instance. You know what I want? I want to be able to say, I trust in God completely while I have a, while I can at the same time trust in my, in my income, trust in my savings, trust in my plan, you know, trust in what I see. So I want to be able to give just a little bit to God or enough to God to make me feel like I'm really trusting in him. And I kind of convince myself, yeah, I'm really trusting in God. But the reality is I'm mostly trusting in my chariots and horses. And I'm kind of trusting in the Lord, our God, too. When I preach, I'm, 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 I wrestle with this. You know, when I preach, I want to prepare so that I can preach as effectively as possible. But when I preach, am I trusting in my preparation? Am I trusting in my years of experience in preaching and putting together a message or am 
when I, when I preach, and even in the process of preaching, am I trusting in the name of the Lord our God to make this powerful? Am I trusting in what I can see, or am I trusting in the one whom I can't see? What might it look like if we could really trust in God completely and not in chariots and horses? When I think of this passage, I think of the story of Gideon and the Midianites in the Old Testament. So, seventh chapter of Joshua, it's kind of interesting. The Midianites are the arch enemies of God uh, and God's people. They're kind of the street bullies of ancient Canaan at that moment. They're constantly attacking God's people, constantly oppressing God's people. In fact, when God first comes to Gideon, Gideon is threshing wheat in a wine price underground because he doesn't want the Midianites. You know, that's not where you thresh wheat. You thresh wheat out in front of outside when it's exposed to everything. But he's, he knows if he does that, the Midianites are going to see him and maybe attack him and steal his stuff. And so he's doing this in, in hiding. Everybody's afraid. They're cowering in fear of these great Midianite bullies. And so God calls Gideon to lead the armies against the Midianites and to get rid of them once and for all. And so Gideon rallies the troops. 30,000 strong. Um, pretty strong. Pretty ready group for battle. But Judges 7 verse 2 says, The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many troops for me to hand the Midianites over to them, or else Israelite might, Israel might elevate themselves over me and say, I saved myself. So, God says, nope, 30,000 30, 30, troops. Yeah, you probably do a pretty good job beating the Midianites with that, but you're going to trust in your horses and your, and your chariots, not in the name of the Lord your God. And so we're going to whittle that down. And God whittles it down a couple of times until they have not 30,000 troops facing the Midianites, but 300 troops facing the Midianites. If I were Gideon, I don't know what anybody think. I'm thinking, Lord, I, 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 can I can I act like I'm trusting you with my thirty thousand troops? Judges chapter seven verse twelve says, "Now the Midianites, the Amalekites, and all the people of the east had settled down in the valley like a swarm of locusts, and their camels were as innumerable as the sand on the seashore." Get that, Gideon and his three hundred versus innumerable armies. God says, Gideon, now you're ready. By the way, you ever find yourself in situations like that? Do you think God ever does that to you where you find yourself overwhelmed facing a difficult situation? And rather than saying, oh man, I need more time. I need more energy. I need more ability. I need more preparation. Nate, could it be that God is saying, I got you right where I want you. Trust me. The night before the battle, Gideon and some of the men spy on the Midianites to hear what they're thinking. They overhear the Midianites' fear. But it's kind of interesting. What are the Midianites afraid of? They're not afraid of Gideon and his armies. They're afraid of Gideon and his God. The next day, Gideon attacks. The Midianites are routed. And everybody knew Gideon and the people of Israel won not because they had a great general or great forces or great strategy, but because they had a powerful God. Psalm 20, verse 7 says, Some take pride in chariots and others in horses, but we take pride in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, 
but we rise and stand firm. Lord, give victory to the king. So when was the last time you won a victory because you trusted in the name of the Lord your God and not in your own chariots and horses? Can you think of a time that you have so trusted? Have you been walking so closely with God that there have been times that you've walked forward in obedience just because God says obey? Even though you didn't feel adequate, even though you felt quite inadequate, you were tired, you were exhausted, you didn't feel like you had the ability, you weren't prepared, but you walked forward in obedience and God provided for you. One of my favorite lines in the entire Christmas story is from Isaiah 9, verse 4, where some translations say, so this is a verse about predicting the coming of the Messiah as a baby. And the language is, as in the days of Midian's defeat, that God is going to come and bring a victory to this world. And it's going to be as in the day of Midian's defeat. In other words, it's not going to be through a conquering king or conquering army. It's going to be through a baby. So people will know it's not by our might or power. It's not by our strategy. It's not by our 30,000 troops strength. It's going to be the power of the Lord, our God, a humble baby. Think about your work. Do you trust your work in your work, or do you trust in the God who made work for you? How does that work for you? George Mueller, let me just try to do this quickly. George Mueller lived his life devoted to trust in God. He was known for his God providing through his prayers. He explained one time how this principle relates to our careers. He said, he said, we should work to earn a living and supply our needs, but not trust in our work, but in God. Otherwise, we will ever be anxious that our needs will not be met if we can't work. What if we are trusting God? But, but if we are trusting God and not our work, then if God ordains that we lose our job, we can be confident that he will meet our needs. And so we do not need to be anxious. Um, people today talk about such, you know, the government needs to provide a guaranteed uh, income or the government needs to provide universal health care. Why? Because we live in a world that doesn't believe in God, a secular world. And if you're a Christian and you believe that the answer is for the government to provide everybody uh, health care so that they can all be safe, then you don't understand some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Trusting the government to take care of us is trusting, is, is basically allowing ourselves not to trust in God, but to trust instead in the horses and chariots that we see when God would say, God would use those things to get us to trust in him. Mueller continues, why do I carry on this business? Or why am I engaged in this trade or profession? In most instances, so far as my experience goes, which I have gathered in my service among the saints during the last 51 years and a half, I believe the answer would be, I am engaged in an earthly calling that I may earn the means of obtaining the necessities of life for myself and my family. Here is the chief error from which almost all er rest of the errors come, which are entertained by the children of God relative to their calling. It is 
no right and scriptural motive to be engaged in a trade or business or profession merely in order to earn the means for obtaining of the necessities of life for ourselves and our family. But we should work because it is the Lord's will concerning us. And then he gives other scriptures that, um, that this comes from. 1 Thessalonians 4, 11 and 12. 2 Thessalonians 3, Ephesians 4, 28. He continues... It is quite true that in general, the Lord provides the necessities of life by means of ordinary calling, our ordinary calling. But that is not the reason why we should work. The, is plain enough from the consideration that if our possessing the necessities of life depended upon our abilities of working, we could never have the freedom from anxiety. We should always have to say to ourselves, what shall I do when I'm too old to work or by what reason or by reason of sickness, I'm unable to earn my bread. But if on the other hand, we engage in our earthly calling because it is the will of the Lord concerning us that we should work and that thus laboring, we may provide for our families and be able to support the weak and the sick and the aged and the needy. And we have good and scriptural reason for to say to ourselves, we should it please the Lord to lay me on a bed of sickness or keep me otherwise by reason of infirmity or old age or want of employment from earning my bread by means of the labor of my hands or by business or by profession, he will yet provide for me. The principle runs through all of life. Do we trust in the means, or do we trust in the giver? Do we trust in the means and try to create a world that will make us safe so we don't have to trust in God and other people don't have to trust in God? Or will we say, others trust in chariots, some trust in horses, that we will boast in the name of the Lord, our God? Um, where where are you in Gideon's journey right now? You ever find yourself, God, is taking you outside of your comfort zone where you have to learn not to be anxious but to trust in him? You ever find God putting you in a weakened position of time and energy or finances, sickness, so that you have to trust him more? The next time you find yourself in that situation, could I encourage you to remember a baby in a manger in Isaiah 9? God gives us victory as in the days of Midian's defeat. So the world may trust in chariots and horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Heavenly Father, we live in times where people, it is so natural to trust in the chariots and horses, and the people around us would tell us to trust in chariots and horses, and you can't live reasonably unless you're trusting in chariots and horses. But help us, Lord, to live distinct lives to not trust in man-made gods, in false idols, but to seek your face and to seek your priorities and to seek first your kingdom and trust that you will provide for your glory. And that is going to be enough. Through Christ I pray. Amen. Hope you have a good week.